challenging the role of technology in the home and having a little fun in the process. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Kova Poor, co-founder and director, Space 10. Welcome Kova. Thank you for having me. Explain what Space 10 does and its relationship with IKEA. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure yet. <laughs> we, we work as a research and design lab and you could say our finest role is to try to identify patterns in this chaotic world that we all uh, live in and uh, also try to identify how we together with IKEA can ensure a, a meaningful and uh, hopefully long-lasting uh, uh, company for, for the decades to come. And uh, our job is then to uh, bridge those two worlds and, and try to, to make our imaginations uh, happen in real life. What is the Everyday Experiments initiative and what do you seek to accomplish? So with Everyday Experiments, we um, are asking the question, how will uh, future technologies redefine how we live at home? And I think, you know, there's a lot of conversation around technology. I'm not going to bore you with that. You know well, well more than I do in, in that space. But I think uh, during the last many months, I think the role of the home has been extremely challenged. Uh, home is not just where we sleep anymore and where we eat. It's also where we teach our kids, where we do exercise, where we relax, where we socialize with the very few people we might be lucky to be around with. Uh, and suddenly uh, a home needs to offer a lot more and it's no doubt that technology is is one of those areas that are really influencing how we live our life at home but we felt that most of the conversation was quite boring it was quite dark and there was not a lot of uh, playful emotional soft and and optimistic views on, on how actually technology could redefine the home so that's the project in large. And then uh, we have this belief that if we're the smartest in the room, we're in the wrong room. So we went out and asked uh, a bunch of amazing, talented uh, technology and design studios to help reimagine how especially technology in this new spatial age uh, will look and feel uh, in the years to come. Tell us about some of your experiments that involve spatial computing in the home. So, um, we, we have looked a lot in, into like how the heck did technology suddenly, suddenly become something that was just all around us. And I think if we look, uh, look back, you know, it obviously started with the desktop computing area and everything was locked to a table. And then throughout the last 10, 13 years, technology became something we had in our pockets, in our ears. It became mobile computing, as you will. And now what we're seeing is a new shift where technology is, is being unbundled into the space around us. Uh, it's something that lives in our products at home. It's something that we augment through our screens rather than looking at the screens, we'll look through them. And it's also something we see in terms of uh, the subset of artificial intelligence, where especially machine learning and computer vision enables our devices to not just uh, be traditional in the sense, but also sense and, and, and learn and see the world around us. And that demands a lot of reimagination of how the heck do we then design for that? Similar as when the first smartphone came, we still just translated old applications onto new devices. The first magazines and iPads were still where you flip them through almost like you did with a real paper. And we want to kind of like flip it around a bit. And, and all of these experiments are looking at how uh, new technologies like augmented reality or computer vision at large 
will influence how we design hopefully more meaningful services for, for people at home. Is there a specific product idea that you can describe for us? Yeah, so uh, a few experiments that we that we have played a lot with is um, on one side some quite speculative and some would say quite random and weird experiments, where one of the, uh, one of them we are using uh, uh, the new lidar technology from 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 Apple to actually explore how we can measure a space and understand the dimensions of a space uh, in uh, new ways than just the traditional measuring tape. And here we actually used an elephant in the room to, to do that. So rather than having this very functional experience, we designed this extremely weird and playful elephant that would then grow into every single corner and inch of your space to then get all the specific dimensions that you would potentially afterwards be able to then take with you to uh, an Ikea or somewhere else and, and, and use them in a, in a process of, let's say, designing a new kitchen. So we wanted to bring some more fun into it. Another example has been how we could uh, use uh, technology to visualize uh, some of the things that are today are invisible. Sound, for example, is something that are extremely important and playing music at home. But where to place that speaker to ensure the music truly travels around uh, can be quite difficult. Um, now we have then designed an experiment where, where we kind of visualize all the sound waves and that would then change depending on where you would uh, place the speaker to create some sort of more playful experience around how music really could travel around your home. Um, so those are two uh, specific experiments. We have done 17 in total and intend of doing a lot more from capturing a space in 3D and letting you play with it like it was a game on your table to entering a magic portal using augmented reality and VR to take you to new places uh, to uh, new radar technologies that potentially would enable you to turn off and turn on the light at home without using a phone or remote. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, random, but also exciting and important uh, experiments, including last but not least, uh, one that we call private collection that are asking, what do we do from a responsible private and ethical point of view with the data and the fact that a lot of companies soon will be able to look inside people's homes and how do we make sure that that data is protected, but also that people can choose what to share and not to share? Some of your experiments that you're talking about include artificial intelligence component, um, but you'd rather talk about IA rather than AI. Explain that. Um, I mean, we, we have talked a lot about artificial intelligence in, in the industry and in business for, for a long time, and I think unless you are an academic, it can still be hard to really understand and grasp uh, what it is, uh, similar as having conversations about the internet at large or electricity at large. Uh, it's so abstract and it taps into so many areas that it's not really a useful conversation. So for us, it's important to translate it into more specific areas. Uh, uh, we are both talking about it as uh, computer vision and understanding what it means when we're moving from cameras that take photos to uh, eyes that can see. And we're also looking into it from a machine learning perspective and, and how to not just feed a system with data to recommend better, but also what data you feed. But we're also looking at whether uh, it's not around artificial intelligence, but more about uh, assisted intelligence or uh, the fact that technology should not take over, but enable us as people to create um, 
So I, I think it's not that we suggest uh, another new cool buzzword. I think it's more to really ensure that when we talk about technology, we break it down into the actual applications. So we go from uh, fancy PowerPoint slides to uh, code in Python or applications in your hand that actually brings value to you. You work with some pretty interesting partners. How do they contribute? So uh, our partners, they contribute with, with everything. Like what we have seen with Space 10 is that uh, not just throughout the last six months, but uh, throughout the last many years, uh, talent is, is not being consolidated in the same way it used to be. Uh, people are fleeing into smaller studios. They're setting up their own setup. They're becoming freelance. They are placed all around the world. So especially as a big company, how do you ensure that you can still work with the best uh, and how do you facilitate many smaller partners, even though you need a global footprint? So our partners, they kind of sit in all corners of the world from two-man bands to uh, five in a collective to uh, 40 people in a technology studio. And uh, we work with them through uh, yeah, Slack, uh, G Suite, and all the other usual suspects to um, both code, design, strategize, visualize, communicate, uh, and everything else that every single project in today's world uh, needs in order to be realized. So it's a, some sort of like unbundled office where we have uh, the luxury of working with amazing bright minds, um, but also to make sure that we bring in a lot of different perspectives and different cultural contexts in our solutions. So they hopefully can be for the many people uh, one day. Kova Poor, co-founder and director of Space 10. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? I guess I'm still a bit old school, so uh, email and Twitter might be the, the best way to reach me. Um, and uh, it's basically just uh, at space 10com or uh, Poor with an ad before. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again for joining us. And find more of my me. interviews right here for at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching. Thank you.